Because we want a righteous invasion of truth. A righteous invasion of truth. You are listening to the Future Church Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today, and we've got a great episode in store. But before we get started with it, we would love for you to hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else. And if you are listening on Apple, we would love for you to give us that five-star review. That would help us a ton. And beyond that, if you feel so compelled, and if this episode is helpful to you or any of the others, share this with a friend who cares about the future of the church. Now for today's episode. Welcome back to Future Church Podcast. Uh, This is Ashish, as always, joined by my friend Taylor. Taylor, how are you? How's it going? I've always wanted to do that. I've never done it before, and I will never do it again. Bro, I'm so good. Better not. (laughs) I'm so good, but you know what? I am mourning. I I lost something from my childhood this week. Oh my gosh, uh, what happened, man? Yeah, well... Um, as, as you probably know, because it's such major news is our favorite, uh, artist Carmen, uh, he passed away and actually it's sad. He was, he was 65. He was young, um, relatively healthy up until this point, but had some health issues and, and it was, it's pretty sad, but I grew up on Carmen. Now, if, if you're listening, you're like, who's Carmen? You're talking about Carmen San Diego, the TV show that I grew up on that too, but no, we are talking about car man. And Carmen, particularly with his his cat, Lawrence, and the Beatitudes. And so, I mean, we're talking real deep Christian culture here. But Carmen, I grew up on Carmen and particularly his Yo Kids, uh, his tapes. And we grew up on this stuff. Like, um, he would like say, bam, we're kicking it for Christ kind of stuff. And this, this was my music growing up. Taylor, for our listeners who don't know, what is a tape? What is a tape? Oh man, oh you know. And what's funny? We were talking before this. I we wore out our tape of Carmen Yo Kids, but it was I don't know how do you just how do you describe a tape? It was the you'd have to wind it up, and you have the little track inside, and if you put it in wrong or you didn't get it in time, it would like it would spit out all of the tape, and you couldn't like it was. You had to like go to a special place for them to fix it or it might be done forever. And yeah. it, it was the worst. For our listeners, just to add some color here, uh, think of tapes as, um, you know how like you have a phone now or uh, like a computer where there's a song. Think your music used to actually be a physical thing. And if you lost that thing, you lost your music. So um, it was a crazy well, world we lived in back then. Well, and what's wild is after tapes, I remember we had we had this one and others, uh, you know, DC Talk, Free at Last, and we had the tape, and then they started releasing CDs more, and we got a CD player. So that was my first CD was DC Talk, Free at Last. And, you know, fast forward to I'm a teenager in, you know, in high school, and I had a book. I don't know if you ever did in your car. I had a book of CDs, like 300 oh, yeah. CDs. And, you know, the big thing was... You had to connect with the right guy in high school, but he, you know, my friend Ruben had like a CD burning business on the side and I'm not kidding you. He made three, $400 a week burning CDs for people. They'd give him a list of songs. He'd go home, get on Napster 
and he would burn these songs to a CD. And there were times where he'd spend hours a night, but he's making, you know, he's making 12, 1500 bucks a month, um, you know, in ninth and 10th grade. Like this is wild. And he'd burn these CDs and they tried to shut him down, but we went underground and we were doing this thing, you know, supplying the world with music. That was our mission. So I, I just, <laughs> where were we going with that tapes? Well, you have no clue if you Carmen, did not we were talking about Carmen. Tapes, yeah, if you didn't grow up on tapes such as Carmen, Yo Kids, then have you really even lived? And my question for you, Ashish, is so I grew up on Carmen. What did you grow up on? What was like? What was your jam? Christian TV show, uh, music, what whatever it is. Like this was my stuff, Carmen. It was you know Adventures in Odyssey. What was your mm. go-to? What was your go-to? So. Uh, the TV show question for me, I go back to the adventures of McGee and me. That was some of my, Ooh. that was my jam. But, no, but the cool part, the, the cool part wasn't, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The cool part wasn't McGee and me. It was when he grew up a little bit and it was the adventures of the new McGee and me where he grew up just a little bit. He was like a teenager and all cool and stuff. And I remember that was like the coolest TV show for a little bit. Well, um, it's funny because we give, we give like, and it, and it deserves it. Christian media, oftentimes, more so on the TV shows and movies, gets a bad rap. Now, I will say it's getting better than it was, you know, say 10 years ago. But McGee and Me was a cut above. And I, I, I've still gone back. I've watched it with Hayden. Um, it was the fight before Christmas. And, you know, um, it, what is it? Kevin McAllister? Is that right? No. Am I thinking of No, that was Home Alone. No, that's Home Alone. <laughs> what am I thinking? Who am I? You're saying, Taylor, you're a fraud. Um, I got to look it up. Maybe it's Nick something. I can't remember. Uh, but he, him and his friend, you know, they're in the, in the Christmas pageant and, and this, this Derek, I know his name was Derek, the bully guy. His name was Derek and he was too cool for school to be in the play. And he gets sucked into the wrong crowd with like these biker guys and they're doing gang stuff. And, and he ends up having to like for his initiation, beat somebody up and, and you know, the main character, he gets, he kind of like gets punched and all this kind of stuff. And then he, I don't, I, I'm remembering it very vaguely, but very fond memories of that yeah. stuff right there. Did you look up, were you able to look it up? I'll look it up. But that was, dude, that was, that was some good stuff right there. Totally. I, you know, just to kind of go back to Carmen, because we lost, we lost him this last week. Right. Um, I was, I remember getting, um, I think it was like the mid nineties. I remember getting his CD riot. Do you remember that? Righteous Dude, invasion of riot, truth. Yeah. A righteous invasion of truth. Yeah. yeah that bro. was, that was like the peak of my childhood kind of idealistic, uh, Christian, uh, pop music, uh, scene. Anyway. Um, are, did you find what you were looking for? Did you find the... Yeah, it was Nick. I was right on my second Nick, You guess. were right. Nicholas and his cartoon buddy, McGee. And That's so, right. There, there you have it. And so um, if, if I, I do have a couple of the tapes from, from way back then. But my go-to, and if you ever grew up in our youth ministry or been around, um, my go-to was uh, Ben and Eddie, and in particular Ben and Eddie's first Christmas. I will not sing it for you, but there was a line in there. Is your heart a manger? Is there any room for him? And I have long loved and made fun of this stuff because you look back so fondly and man, th th there were some great times. You and I grew up in church kind of in and around the church. 
our parents um, were lovers of the local church and they loved it. But, you know, when you live in church world, and I, I'm not going to for even a second paint a negative picture of it, but when you live in any kind of space, and especially if you spend a lot of time around it, if you uh, love it, if your relationships are in it, if you're, uh, if you're actually receiving a lot of kind of how you see the world from it, um, it, it becomes kind of your tribe. And th that's kind of an interesting thing that has kind of bubbled to the surface in this last season of the church, particularly the, these last couple of years is this idea of tribalism and and then as it morphs and what we've seen kind of come out the ugly side of it is what we would call this toxic tribalism but tribalism in and of itself is not necessarily an evil or bad thing but it's something that i think would be really helpful for us to talk about because when we're aware of it we are able to actually glean from and learn from and 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 reap the benefits of of good tribalism but if we're not aware of it we get so inundated in it and we live in it and we become uh we we start to see this toxic tribalism manifest uh in in our spaces and especially in the church we don't mm -hmm. want to see that we don't want to see toxic tribalism in the church yeah I'll give you a, an example Taylor of something that um, just really hit home for me as you were talking about tribalism. So my, my kids are in a learning pod, right? And uh, there's, a, there's these three families, our, us included, where we essentially, the kids kind of go around to each other's homes and do school. Um, so these boys have, they don't have to wear masks and they're kind of just doing online school together. Um, but the, the crazy part is, um, you know, we have certain rules in our house and these families have different rules in their house. And so what happens is the boys, they have preferences for whose house is the best for certain types of things. Uh -huh. um, like in our house, we don't eat very, like we eat pretty healthy. And there's this one family, I won't reveal who they are, but they, they're, they eat a lot more sugar, a lot more chocolate, like just eat McDonald's all the time. <laughs> totally different kind of I upbringing. I gotta say right? that, that was my dream. That would have been my dream family as a kid. And totally. Mine too. Mine too. <laughs> so I get it when my son says, I want to go over to this house, you know? Um, but, but your word, um, you know, those two words, toxic tribalism, we had to have a conversation with our son, um, like a week or two ago now where we had to tell him, Hey, like you should celebrate going to other families' houses, but don't ever confuse the fact that you're a part of this family. This is where you belong. And we have rules in our house. And when you go to that house, it's okay to follow their rules. But um, the rules in our house is we eat healthy and we, you know, we don't eat as much sugar as that one house and that's okay. And so anyway, just, just kind of, that was just something I thought of as, as you were sharing that, that concept of toxic tribalism. Um, so. Well, and you know, I want to make a distinction because, you know, there are words, especially today, you know, you could throw out, and I could throw out a list of words and there's an immediate connotation to it. Right. So I could say the word, you know, tribalism. I could say the word nationalism. I could say, the, you know, all of these different things. And they're going to take you down, down a, um, a journey immediately, especially if you're paying attention to many things. And I'm not even saying that that is bad. But what can happen is, is we, we, um, we live in this space 
right? And um, I'll speak to my experience and what I've learned in, you know, this this kind of began in a journey as as I, I interact with, with youth pastors. I've been a youth pastor now full-time for almost 11 years um, and really a youth pastor in youth ministry for almost two decades. And one of the things that I really inherited from my dad, who's also my, my pastor, is a real heart for the kingdom, not just for my church. One of our core values at our church is we're not the only ones here. So yeah, we are in Covington and we love our church. I like my church better than every other church in Covington, which is why I go to it. <laughs> you know, and we, I, I don't think it should be bad. I think you should like your church. And Ashish, I think you should like your family more than you like mine. And my family's <laughs> better than yours, but you should like yours better than mine. And I should like mine better than yours. Why? Because it's my family. And I go to my church and I love my church, but I also understand that I'm one of many. And our church is one of many. And we understand that we are a part of a, a, a tapestry, a, a greater story than just ours. Now, I'm not actually, I'm not afraid of those other church, but what, what I started to see back to that youth pastor thing is we've been hosting for the last four or five years, these youth pastor lunches. And we'll have youth pastors from all over the region, from from charismatic churches, uh, assemblies, Foursquare, non-denominational, Methodist, Presbyterian, uh, Baptist, um, and everything else in between. And we'll have some 100 to 150 youth pastors and leaders from, you know, this one of the most recent ones, we had almost 50 churches represented from our region. And, and from every tribe within the greater church tribe that we're a part of. But for every church that was represented, there were so many others that were not, and it wasn't because in some of them, hey, I can't make it to this one. I'm going to try the next one. Totally great. But so many of them, um, what was keeping them from stepping into this environment that was the more the global tribe, what was keeping them from stepping into it was this mentality that I don't want to be tainted by, you know, I, we don't associate like there's one church in kind of our near, near to us that they won't talk to other churches. They won't associate. We have youth pastors gatherings. Their youth pastor won't come. We have pastors gatherings. Their pastor won't come. Um, and not to say that they they hate us or anything like that, but there's something within their tribal identity that says, I cannot associate with this tribe. Because there's this assumption that for, for me to, um, from my tribe, go and relate to, talk to, engage with another tribe, it means that I'm turning my back on my own. And I think that's a false assumption. And I think especially in the in in the days that we're living in now, we have to let this go because the world needs a united church that understands that my church, your church, our church, our churches, the Western church, the Western church as a bigger tribe is still a part of something that is even bigger than it which is God's kingdom around the world. And that is what we are a part of. And when we try and flip that and we make we make our church, like God's kingdom fits into my local church and my brand of it. And as long as it does, I'm down with the kingdom. But the moment that the kingdom disrupts my church is the moment that I say goodbye to the kingdom because I want to keep my construct. I want to keep what I've known. I want to keep my ideas. I want to keep everything. Or I just want to keep my preference and I want to keep my comfort. 
and I, I turn my back on the thing that, that I'm actually before my tribe, I was a part of this tribe, which is the kingdom of God. I know I've been talking for a bit, but Ashish, what comes to your mind and how, how are we seeing tribalism? And in particular, where is it morphing into toxic tribalism within the church and how do we combat that? Yeah, I can speak from experience, Taylor. So, you know, you, you would know this, but for our listeners, about four years ago, four and a half, five years ago, my wife and I, we had this desire to church plant. And so we transitioned out of youth ministry at uh, the church where we were at in Portland. And we moved up to Seattle on a word from God to church plant and step into this new reality of what does this mean for us? How are we going to kind of start from scratch, like be a part of a fledgling community of, of Jesus followers in downtown Seattle. And we, we came to downtown Seattle and quickly realized that there was already this incredible church that was already there. And what's, and I'll tell you the craziest part of the story. So I remember approaching, like we, we, we went to that church the very first Sunday we were here and we walked in and realized like, wow, this is incredible. They have some, they're doing some of the very same things that my wife and I, that we actually want to be a part of and be about in Seattle. And it took me six months to realize that maybe God had brought us up here to be a part of this tribe. Um, for the season that we were in instead of starting a new one <laughs> yeah. uh, and realizing that, Hey, you know what? Like this is a totally different denomination, not one I'm used to. Um, but there's a lot of good here and there's, there's a lot that I do agree with and I love, and we love the leaders. And what's crazy Taylor is that same church that we visited, we ended up never leaving. And we ended up being at that one church for the last four years. Um, you know, now both my wife and I were on staff there um, I serve in kind of an eldership capacity there. Like, like so much of what we do was just us realizing that maybe God was bringing us into a new family, a new tribe, a new kind of reality. And we had to be open to that and not look at it as if this is a change in course, but think of it as more in that kingdom mindset, right? Like you talk about that kingdom mindset to think like, okay, I've been thinking about church planning for two years and this church has been around for 10 plus years and they're doing incredible work. And it might be that instead of me starting something two blocks away <laughs> is maybe God wants me to be a part of this church yeah. and learn and come under and be a part of the team. And this is the craziest part, right? Funny story. So we, we have this conversation with the, with the lead pastors um, at, at our church. This is back, you know, when we thought we were still going to church plant and they're like, Ashish and Kaylee, do you guys need a building? Like, do you need money? Do you need resources? Like, do you want to use our building to like start? And I'm like, oh my gosh, because I don't come from that kind of a church background where you're so open-handed about the resource God has put in your, into your kind of stewardship. And I was just kind of blown away. And this is all wow. kind of during that first six month span of realizing, oh, maybe God brought us here. But, but just that kind of kingdom mindset was so infectious to me because they modeled just like Taylor, Taylor's church uh, models this kingdom, this larger mindset that we're a part of the fabric of um, what God is doing in the city. And, and Taylor, if I could add one thing, um, what I have noticed is that in places in specifically in America, I can't speak completely for other parts of the world, but specifically in America where cultural Christianity is prevalent, I feel like there's a lot more toxic tribalism where people are afraid of losing members to other churches. So they get competitive and insecure and really like selfish and weird. 
Um, I think because we're in the Pacific Northwest, there's not very many of us, right? Like there's not that many Christians. And if we started fighting over the Christians that we do have access to, I think it'd be like a bad, bad situation. And so I think we've, I think God has used that, the, 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 the amount of, or sorry, the, the, the lack of so many Jesus followers in our part of America as a tool to help us really combat toxic tribalism and not be so um, like thinking that we're the best thing or we're the smartest thing or whatever. I th- yeah. That's what I've noticed in Portland and, and here in Seattle, Taylor. Well, yeah. And I think you, you poked at something because we have to remember tribalism in and of itself is not a bad thing, right? Like I'm a, I'm, there are certain tribes that I'm a part of like in, uh, we, you know, we work with, we have some leaders who are involved in, in things like young life, young life is a tribe and they do some incredible stuff, um, with youth in, in schools. And there's, there's nobody better in America and really almost around the world who does better contact work and one-on-one life on life with, with young people in high schoolers and middle schoolers, they do incredible stuff and they have a tribal identity. There are certain things that when you talk to them, you can tell, Oh, you're a young life person. That's amazing. Where it gets toxic is if they come into my space or I go into theirs, I was, um, to use that example, when I was in high school and I inherited this from leaders that had gone before me, um, without really experiencing it myself, I, and this is, we could go a, a whole different direction. How many people inherit some toxic tribal, um, identities where they actually haven't experienced anything that has led them to hold their opinions or hold their attitudes, but they inherited it from people that they were around. And so they actually carried this tribal mentality that they never even, uh, had a reason to carry and they've perpetuated it generation after generation. And so we are seeing today a lot of things that are coming from um, an in- an inheritance of bad tribalism. But um, I remember inheriting this from leaders ahead of me about uh, a young life. And I was a youth- local church kid. I was a youth group kid. I grew up in youth group, loved youth group. Wednesday nights, I played drums. It was my thing. And we were about church and I loved God. And, and I remember I always heard, yeah, young life, you know, they, 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 they fall short, they're fake or they're this or that. And I remember always believing this. And it wasn't until I had a parent of a middle schooler about 10 years ago say, Hey, we're leading young life at this middle school. Would you come and hang out? And I, I stepped into the young life space and the light was turned on for me that I wished was on for the last 10 years of my life before that. And that was, we are not doing what you do. Young Life is actually called not to be a church, but actually to supplement what the church has long stopped doing. So our tribalism actually kept us from doing some of the work that then Young Life so brilliant, so brilliantly stepped in you know, over 70 years ago to begin to do and never claimed to try and take over but actually came, claimed to add value to and and bring bring strength to the church. And so I thought it was so fascinating. And But my tribal identity kept me from understanding the value of another tribe and really kept me from realizing that we're both actually part of a greater tribe. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I, I love that story, Taylor, because I remember... Um, some of those same conversations um, when I was a youth pastor, um, trying to navigate what that meant for our, you know, the, the, 
the church that I was a part of in the youth ministry. Um, you know, I think at a, at a kind of meta level, um, this idea of finding our tribe or finding a community or a way of thinking that agrees with us or we like, or we prefer, that's been the struggle of the Western church for the last 500 years, right? When you look back at um, the effects of uh, the Protestant Reformation, um, you know, you look at how Martin Luther, um, you know, he nails the 95 theses on the door of the church and then causes this revolution, if you will, um, this, the, the Lutheran church was birthed, right? And then you see, you know, other denominations that break off of the Lutheran church and start their own thing. And then they all start fighting and get really toxic um, about how they interact with one another. And so the cycle continues even to this day where if you kind of look at church history, there's these branches, if you will, of like this group started because one guy decided, got really upset at this other guy. Yeah. And so they started this separate thing and then they didn't want to see eye to eye with that guy. So they start, you know, it's, it's just a, it's, it's, it's really fascinating that, that all of this is the result of our humanity, our broken humanity. Like yeah. we, we, uh, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, it is who we are. And sometimes we can try to think that, um, you know, we should all just go back to being this one giant church. Right. And there could be some validity there, but I also think there's something to be said of how God has formed and shaped the tribe that you're a part of, um, yeah. and why that's, that's important. Right. Like I remember, um, uh, you know, I'm in seminary and one of my classes, um, you know, we're, we're learning about all this stuff about church history and, understanding missiology, this one course I'm taking. And at one point, uh, one of my, one of my, uh, one of my colleagues, she, she, she mentions, man, I'm learning all this stuff now. And it's really making me question whether I should be a part of my church, <laughs> mm. <laughs> whether I wow. should continue like being part of this denomination and this community. And, and I remember the prof, like with the, the most conviction I've seen him, he, he, he stops her and says, let me stop you right there. Like what I'm, I really want you and catch this. I really want you to continue to listen to your Bishop. Wow. And what he meant by that was it's kind of this term from the early church where it's not when you learn all these things and you're absorbing new information that you're not using this new information to discredit or divide or destroy the family. God has really placed you in. Right. And to kind of go back to that analogy I used earlier, um, with my son and his buddies in the learning pod, it's important for him to celebrate the fact that he can go to one of his friend's house and get all the candy and all the chocolate he wants and the junk food, because that's how they live their lives. And that's okay. Yeah. But he wow. has to reflect on the fact that in our family, the joy family, we do things a different way. And this is who we are. This is how mommy and daddy have set up our household. And these are the expectations we have. And so yeah. I think it's important like to, to listen to, uh, you know, the family God has put you in. There's a reason why God has placed you in that family. So in that sense, I, I would, I would, I loved what my prof said in, in class. He just said, listen to your Bishop. Like, uh, there's a reason why God placed you there. And so what are the things, what are the unique things that, that God has uniquely, um, crafted and, and molded into the movement yeah. that God has brought you in and then celebrating what is happening in a different movement or a different church, um, not discrediting it or trying to say it's bad and it's okay to have a preference, right. But just yeah. to say, these are my brothers and my sisters, 
Uh, sometimes they seem like second cousins. Um, they don't seem like my brothers and sisters. Yeah. And that's okay because we're still part of this big family that God is God is putting together. So I, I think about that a lot, Taylor. Like, you know, historically, like there's this phenomenon of 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 splinters, splintering off of church movements yeah. and and these and these things that start and 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 I, you know it remains to be seen what that's going to do for the church moving forward mm-hmm. but uh, but i do think it's important for us to have a level of decorum and kindness and civility to our brothers and sisters who aren't a part of the movements we are planted in yeah wow there's so much there it's kind of like your story is so great with you know for me it was Nick Ostrom had a Nintendo and we didn't. And, and I remember being mad at my parents. I remember Caleb was allowed to watch the Simpsons and we couldn't. Um, and so it's that kind of stuff. And that sounds like petty things, but what, what that translates to as a 21 year old is you're in college, you're in Bible college, learning all of these things about the church and you're starting to come alive to things. And then you come home and visit your home church and you see all of the things that they're doing wrong and you don't know why they're not getting it. And so a big question that I think so many people have to answer now is what do I do with what I'm learning? Because, you know, and I'm not going to pick on any one thing that, you know, particularly our generation are navigating right now. There's a lot of uh, just an explosion of, of, um, I don't want to use the buzzwords, but there's so much questioning and, 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 and some of it is so good. But the question is, is what do I do with what I've learned? Do I just take it and do I look with a destruction? Like I want to destroy now because I don't like what I'm seeing. And I love that idea of listen to your bishop. And it's not a let your bishop control you, but it's it's a submitting yourself under, understanding that you've now learned something and maybe God actually called you to learn that. God actually brought that to you. And he's now called you to go back in and from the inside out add value. And from the inside out, and it's what we talked about earlier this week, you know, with with um, with Joe Ash is that idea of his his goal is not to show churches what they've been doing wrong, but it's actually to help churches come awake and alive to seeing justice. And so there's a way, and and not not like there's one way, but it's what do I do with what I'm learning? How do I bring it now home and take the value that I've learned, understand the context that God's called me to. And where do I bridge that? Where do, how do I merge that? Do you have any thoughts on that as we kind of wrap up today? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, once again, I'm going to speak from experience um, because for a while, for a lot of my kind of theological formation, I was part of a church that I, for the most part loved and agreed with, but I felt like I was the ugly duckling. I felt like I was always the guy asking the annoying questions People always kind of looked at me sideways, like, where did you get that thought? And how did you come to that conclusion? Or why are you asking that question? Um, and this was the craziest part, Taylor. I, I do think that it's important for us to recognize how God has uniquely created us and finding the tribe that we're supposed to be a part of. I think yes. that's okay, right? Yes. I think that's a really healthy a place to point. be. Um, I had to learn that. Um, and I remember, you know, a mentor of mine told me, you know, if you stay too long, uh, it'll hurt you. But if you stay, if you don't stay long enough, or sorry, let me, let me rephrase that. I think I, I think I messed up that quote. If you leave too early, 
you might, you're probably going to hurt the church, but if you stay too long, you'll hurt yourself. Mm. And um, it was kind of this idea of like knowing how to transition out. And so for us, like when we transitioned out of that church community, I did the best I could to honor the place I was at, to leave it the way that I was supposed to leave it, to love it, to, to hand things off well, take the baton. You know, I really leaned into honor. Like I leaned into just being above reproach in how I handled transition. But here's the funny part, Taylor. Remember that church I told you about that we visited up here? Yeah, and yeah, we've yeah. been at for four years. Yeah. So that first Sunday, the very first Sunday that we were at um, uh, at Union Church in Seattle, Kaylee turns to me. And what had happened is the pastor was like quoting all these authors that I read and like talking about things that only in ways I talk about. And she turns to me and she's like, Those, this guy sounds a lot like you. Wow. And I remember that moment of being like, whoa, like maybe like God brought us here. And of course, I'm still too caught up with church planning to even consider that God maybe brought us here. Right. And maybe this is the church. But um, but to your point, Taylor, like I do think there's a way for us to uh, finish well, um, honor where God has planted us and then also ask the question, where is God leading us? And, um, you know, I think. I don't want to speak for you or your dad, but like the same thing, like church planting is kind of the same idea of like leaving somewhere to start something that God has birthed right in your heart, in your team and you're in that community. And so I think a lot about that, like um, being very careful um, to not destroy or deconstruct the communities we're a part of because God has told us to go do something else. And if we do that the wrong way, we actually diminish the work of Christ in that community because we're discrediting it instead of leaving it in a place of honor and then, and then coming into where God wants us and doing it in a way that's, that's actually healthy for both because God still wants that church you come from to be successful, that movement you come from to be successful because God is bigger than what I want or what they want. We're part of this bigger family, but then at the same time, he also wants us to be honest and imaginative with where he wants us to go and not apologize for that. Right. And not, 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 um, get stuck, but to really step out. So, so those are some things I think about in, 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 you know, with what we've talked about with, with tribalism. Well, and that's where the, the broader understanding of the, 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 the greatest tribe that we are part of, which is the kingdom of God. When you have a healthy kingdom mentality and tribal identity, you're more free and you help others to be more free to do that because you understand what Michael W. Smith understood back in the nineties, that when friends are friends forever or friends are friends forever, I won't sing it for you when the Lord's the Lord of them. Now that was a, that was a nineties Jesus juke to bring it back to the beginning. But I think it's true. And we, when we are trying to protect what we've known and I'll be the first on this podcast to say, I want to protect what I've known. This season has upended um, that and has made it, to where I have to really wrestle with that because how I imagined five years from today, I'm already beginning to see that what I imagined is not what I'm going to see. Now I'm going to see what I've pictured. I'm going to see vision. I'm going to, I'm going to see, you know, God put things in my heart and all that kind of, stuff. yeah, I'm going to see that. But how it looked is going to be different because people, people are going to be, they're going to go where they're going to go and people are going to do other things and people are going to, um, God's going to call them just like he did my dad 22 years ago. 
And if we want, if we were to hold people to that same standard, then we would have never been able to leave. You would never have been able to leave your space. So we have to have an understanding of, man, we're a part of the kingdom. We're not the only ones here. And, and we got to remember that that is our truest tribe. And when we get back to that, I think we're going to do away with this toxic tribalism. Because we want a righteous invasion of truth, in the words of Carmen. A righteous invasion of truth. Yeah. That's right. Well, with that, it's been real. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.